This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Bursts. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. Today we're interviewing Josh uh, from skater to skier. Let's see where we go on this adventure. Yes, welcome to Life Bursts with Matt and Sarah. We are chatting with Josh today. And on the table, for the people who aren't watching, that they're listening to this instead, we do have something, but I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. So thank you, Josh. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you. Take us back to the beginning of your life. Where did life start out for you? Uh, I remember life starting out uh, being quite young on a family farm. We grew up with 10 acres and, um, yeah, enjoyed being with my brothers. I've got three younger brothers. And so we spent a lot of the time playing in the dam, playing in the scrub. Uh, we had motorbikes and go-karts. Um, yeah, we even had a nice uh, border collie dog called Ted, who we inherited with the farm. Right. So when we got the farm, the dog came with it because they're moving into suburbia. And yeah, we got the dog and the go-kart and the motorbike that came inside the shed. So Bonus. we're quite happy with that. Yeah. So three boys, lots of adventures, I imagine. Yeah, lots of adventures. Yeah. Trying not to set the trees on fire. Um, How? We're playing with matches. Right. And we shouldn't be, but um, that's just a small story. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a beautiful photo here of the, the family on the tractor. Um, yep. So for our viewers uh, sitting there, so three brothers and your dad. Yep. Who are your brothers? Uh, I've got Dan, Matt, and Pete. So, yeah, it's been a good quality time together. Did you all get along well as children? Uh, we did. For being bo- a whole family full of boys, we spent a lot of quality time together and played outside after we got home from school and spent most of the time outside. And we had our chore days and our sports days on Saturdays. And, yeah, we liked doing a lot of sport. And what about your mum? What was she like having four boys? Uh, we talked to We had good quality time talking with her while we just came back from school and while she was making dinner, we'd have nice chats and stuff together. And Dad helped me with homework, and so did Mum. Mum had to learn how to do the homework so that she, she could teach it to us. So, mm. yeah, it was a nice process. Yeah. What types of things did you do on the farm? Um, we were blessed enough to have a tennis court as kids, and we enjoyed playing tennis and also basketball. And we also did some inline skating. I got my first pair of skates about 13. And that took me on a good adventure and had friends that also had skates as well. And we went down the um, underneath the pergola quite fast and we ended up hitting a jump at the end of the pergola and would get like two car widths wide. So, um, yeah, we did lots of jumping. On your skates? On the skates. On a jump in the back veranda. Yeah, so... Talk us through how that happened. (laughs) We... We had a chair, and on top of the chair we had a board, and then we had another board on top of that, which was um, uh, quite flexy, so you hit the jump at a big speed and you get lots of air, and it was like a suspension jump. And so we had to see how far we could jump and also see how high we could jump, and we measured it by how many chairs that we could jump higher. So, um, yeah. That was a good challenge. It yeah. sounds really safe. <laughs> it wasn't too safe, but we didn't have any big accidents, so that was okay. You did okay. what well, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. Were, there, were there any, uh, there's got to be some stories of some, some something along the line. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I had a quite a few experiences with uh, jumps and going down hills quite quite fast. Um, but yeah, I didn't crash, so that was good. Okay. But um, yeah, I, one of the times I went down a very steep hill, my brother Dan was on his bike, and then I held onto the back of the bike seat to try and slow down, but then his bike got the speed wobble, so I had to let go and keep going down the hill. Wow. We were probably going down the hill at about 70 k's an hour. <laughs> yeah. How did you stop at the bottom? Uh, you wait till the hill flattens out. That's how you stop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. just no choice. Just hold no on. Choice. Just hold on, keep going. Yeah, wow. Or put your arms out to try and slow down with the wind resistance. That's another way to do it. Does that really work? It does. Yeah, okay. It definitely does. Well, he's, he's here today. I well, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm I, also had a, I also made a sat cart out of some uh, rollerblade chassis is what I put onto a little board. And you sit on the board and you go down the hills and you ski with your skates on the front. And so you can go down there and go off track as well as on the roads and whatnot. So. What does that mean? You made a board with... Uh, so the board was about yay wide yeah. and about yay deep. Mm -hmm. And so you just sit on it and then you hold on to the board and you use rollerblade wheels at the front to steer. And ah. that's a nice way of doing like a luge kind of thing. Wow. Down the hill. So these really are your own teeth? Yes, they are. <laughs> wow. So you unscathed through all of that. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a fantastic um, childhood, though, growing up. Yeah. Brothers, adventures, lots of outdoors, lots yeah. of adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely lots of adrenaline. So there was a motorbike as well? That yeah, the motorbike. Yeah. Um, we had a Yamaha 80, which had a power band, and so that just gives you a good acceleration, um, and that was a good motorbike for starting off and we also had a, a chip starter motorbike which not many people would know what that is no. you pretty much get a wedge and then you wedge it into part of the motor and then you push the motorbike and then once it's going at a bit of a speed you kick out the chip with your foot and then it starts oh. and that's how you get the motorbike to start it was a very old school motorbike it had a it, it was yeah it, it was on constant acceleration and the only way to stop it was to put the brake on. So it had no accelerator, it just had a brake. And so if you had no brake on, then you just go at top speed and then you use the brake to slow down. So it was really interesting going around corners and stuff as well. And yeah, it was good fun. Mm -hmm. And the go-kart, which we got with the house, that was good, good fun. We had a few motorbike and go-kart races. And yeah, the go-kart... Um, had an accelerator, but it had no brakes, so you had to allow to stop if you, yeah, if you're going too fast, you had to think in advance. Mm. Good fun. Look at that, a motorbike with a brake, but no acceleration, and a go-kart, <laughs> the exact opposite. That's right. Wow. This sounds like a wonderful time that you had growing up. It yeah. really does. Yeah, so your world was really your, your brothers and your family at, yeah. at, for much of your growing up years. Yeah. We also had friends that were mechanics as well. Oh, yeah. Like my dad didn't know too much about the motorbikes and the go-karts, but um, he said, I can help you with other things, but not, not that, which was fun. So we showed a bit of interest in the motorbikes and go-karts. So he's like, oh, and yeah, we kept on going with it. Mm. So that was good. Now with 10 acres, did you have a dam or a creek yeah. or anything like that? So we had a front dam and we had a back dam. Uh, the front dam was safe enough to swim in, but the back dam was too deep, so... We just hung around in the front dam for swimming and played with the windsurfer board on the dam and 
had a few things that we played with and we had a island in the middle of the dam so yeah you'd, you'd walk across to the island and then if you wanted to we also had a, a swinging rope so we could swing into the front dam as well yeah or just jump off yeah yeah were there fish or yabbies or anything like that in there we actually put a few fish into the dam and mm. so at the end we put a net the whole way across the dam to collect them all and the yabbies in the dam i think we introduced them but i think that was a bad idea because they made holes in the um the clay so it didn't hold the water as much and the dam mm. kept leaking after then oh, on okay but um yeah we enjoyed catching yabbies and we also ate them as well so how do you eat a yabby how you what's, what's boil them in water <laughs> until they scream and then they turn bright red and then i'm sorry do they literally scream I've they literally scream before. yeah it's not a nice process if you want to hear them scream mm-hmm. but um they turn bright red and then they're ready to eat yeah they taste like lobster i reckon okay. not quite as good as lobster they taste a little bit more a bit more like mud <laughs> but not bad from your own backyard. Though. That's right. Not bad from your back, own backyard. Yeah, a bit hard to get lobster to happen. So yeah, the ones that we had at home were probably about yay big. Yeah. And so the small ones and large ones, but we just cooked up the large ones. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna, we're going to come back and we're going to hear more. <laughs> I've learned something today. Don't cook yabbies if I don't want to hear them scream. <laughs> yeah. Life first, Matt and Sarah, we're chatting for Josh. We'll be back straight after this. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app, or you can share this on social media. This is Life Burst with Sarah and Matt. We are chatting to Josh, and Josh, you've exp- you've shared of your childhood yep. so many uh, adventures, your brothers, uh, lots of uh, dangerous kind of activities, and you survived. You're here to tell yep. the story, but uh, but there were some accidents along the way. Uh, tell us some of those experiences. Um, one of the first times going interstate for a Christian camp, um, my parents were like, "We'll leave Josh to have a good experience." And uh, during the camp, near the very end, I was on one of those massive trampolines that has like an X in the middle, which mm-hmm. is actually like a, a plus. The one that we, because you jump really high. Um, yeah, I just got on the trampoline and no sooner had I got on that someone else jumped on too and double bounced me and I landed on my stomach oh. with um, the other guy landing on the back of my neck. Oh. And so... I ended up going to hospital with a neck brace wow. and stayed in hospital for about two or three days. And my parents were like, and we let you go in this camp? How? <laughs> I survived the um, the flying fox um, going into the dam that they had there at the lake. But um, that was a bit unexpected, having a trampoline accident. Mm. And that's just one of a few accidents I've had, which I think are like near-death experiences. Yeah, but um, right. through it all, God's got me through it all and saved me multiple times so i'm quite thankful great grateful for that one of the other ones i've had too is um a motorbike accident when i was on the motorbikes with the kids i was uh borrowing a friend's motorbike and we had like a really big pile probably about three meters long um pile of gravel and i went to hit the jump slow down but um i'm normally used to like a brake um a foot brake and I went to hit the foot brake with my friend's motorbike not knowing where the 
brake was and found out that the brake was on the handlebar and I ended up hitting the jump at full speed and I got airborne for about 10 feet, 10 to 15 feet and I landed head first um, up after the jump on the flats and yeah. the motorbike wheel was not facing in the same direction as the handlebars and mm. I had to straighten it out a bit and yeah, I showed them, I showed, no one saw it, it was just me, so I saw the mark from where I landed um, and then I just measured it out and was like, that's a pretty big jump. So you walked away from it? I walked away from it. The motorbike, not so much. The motorbike was not so bad, <laughs> but um, the fact it was a friend's motorbike, I put it back together before they came and <laughs> saw the damage. Did okay. they know or are they going to watch this and now know? Uh, I think they did know because okay. I think I told them about the accident, but um, yeah, it was just one of many, but it was a good experience to get out of it. I think... I would never want to go that fast again. And I always make sure I know where the brake is before um, going on a new motorbike and going at full speed. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Yeah. yeah. You've lived on the edge. You can step back. I've a done few that steps one. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you've done That's that right. one. Yeah. So, and, but you've had, yeah, a, a number of these experiences. Yeah. Near death. Like in the year 2000, I had a car accident. Mm. Um, I was traveling the speed limit at going a hundred k's an hour. And there was a car, like there was a uh, a vineyard truck, um, a ute with a trailer on the back, and he had a full trailer of uh, grapes, and so the um, there's a bit of like, I'm not quite sure if it was frost, but it was probably more like um, the road was a little bit wet, and so he was going too fast, and he he braked too su- too sudden at the end, and the brakes were the brakes locked up, and he travelled into a stationary car in front of him, and. Uh, the car got pushed out into the main road, and then I ended up ploughing into the car that got pushed out in the main road at 100 wow. k's an hour. And me and my brother were in the car, and um, the car spun around 270 degrees, and all four tyres had burst. And yeah, um, it was a pretty big accident. And we ended up walking away from it. I thought it, I thought the car was going to blow up because you watch it in the movies, and mm. you have an accident, you think it's going to explode, but it didn't explode. I just turned the car off and walked out and. So did so did the other car, and there was two other cars involved, and um, yeah, we just walked away from it. I had like a I was bleeding through my forehead from hitting my head on the steering wheel. My brother had whiplash, Dan, but um, it took us about two or three years to get our back straight again. Wow! After the accident, okay, just with rehab and whatnot. Right, so it was a significant. This one was it was pretty. You big. didn't just walk away. No. Yeah, we walked away, but uh, we had a bit of injuries to go yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, how did all those experiences shape you? Did you, uh, did you walk um, away just uh, with a new perspective on life, or was it just they happened so often it was just normal? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was thankful each time, mm. and um, yeah, they were in, they were a bit of an inconvenience, but um, yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah, especially at such a high speed. Mm. Um, yeah, like I just remember at the, just before I hit the other car, I ended up turning a little bit to the left and um, I ended up hitting the driver's uh, back seat passenger door. And so I missed the driver by a little bit because I turned left. And if I kept on going straight, I probably would have, yeah, he probably wouldn't be around. Mm. So he was he was grateful that he could walk out of it. He got hit in the back. He got hit in the side, and then he ended up going into the 
the uh, the vineyards that are on the other side of the road and say, yeah, his car was stuck in the vineyards, but um, yeah, just wow. another God incidents. Mm, mm. Yeah, another one to share with you is um, I also had a a hiking trip when I was in Nepal, and um, yeah, I was hiking and I was with a mate. Always, if you're going to go hiking, always go with at least one other person, if not two others, um, to keep safe. And mm-hmm. so this particular time my ankle twisted when I was on the edge of a, uh, a cliff and um, I ended up looking over the edge of the cliff. It was probably about 60 metres below me, which was a quite high cliff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. two-thirds of my body were hanging over the cliff. Right. And I couldn't move because the back of my backpack was so heavy at the bottom that it stopped me from going over the edge. And my mate had to go and grab my ankles and pull me off the edge of the cliff so that I could actually get up and um, keep on going with the hike. But yeah, it was a very scary circumstance looking over the edge of a cliff, um, knowing that I could have gone over the edge of a cliff Mm. with like water and there's a river down below and big rocks and Mm. very thankful to be alive from that point on. But wow. somehow you just <laughs> I still survived. didn't go over the edge. What I'm yeah. saying is that these things happen and suddenly, like, you just say, oh, well, he's, he sounds like he's definitely going to fall off the cliff now. But then you yeah. don't, or that you definitely yeah. had some brain injury or something when you fell off the motorbike. But No brain but injury you're each fine. time. Yeah, I was quite you're, fine. You're perfectly fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to you ask this important question. This is it, one Sarah likes it to is, ask. It is like the okay, most sure. important question of the whole interview. What's okay? that? And it is, how did you meet your significant other person in your life? <laughs> um, we first met once at a camp. She doesn't remember me, though. But um, Well, was that sad for you that she doesn't remember? <laughs> no, I remember Nikki, my wife Nikki. Um, what yeah, did she look like? Do you remember what she was wearing and stuff? A little bit. She was wearing a top and a skirt. Good enough. Good, good enough. Yeah. Good and I remember her having a camera around her neck and she was taking lots of photos of everyone uh. at the camp. And she was particularly taking photos around basketball, I think. We've been at State Youth Games, which is like a, a Christian camp where you go and play games for the whole long weekend. And so I think that went Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I remember having a chat with her and it wasn't probably until about Three or five years later that we ended up catching up again and she ended up coming and visiting my church and apparently they were just um yeah coming for a visit but also maybe some with some ulterior motives as well uh-huh. maybe looking for guys so well, it was a successful operation then if you have <laughs> yeah so we ended up catching up and she kept coming back to the church for a little while and so then we ended up going out one particular night uh, she had a friend's birthday party and she invited me to come too and I dropped my other my brother back at home who was with me church and I dropped him off at the top of the driveway otherwise I probably wouldn't have had the permission to go back out for the rest of the night so I dropped him off home and then I came back and went out to Glenelg and we had a good time and good night and Nikki was there with her friend Jackie and got to meet her as well and yeah so that was yeah very good times and I remember we went for a walk on the beach um, at night time and it was had thunder and lightning and it was raining and we had to find cover and yeah it was, it was a good time Did you like give her your jacket 
Ah, uh, I might have. I'm not sure. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, yeah. It's your story. Yeah. We'll I can't, get remember. I can't exactly remember that. Yeah, nice. Well, Josh. Uh, I remember having a, a talk underneath the, um, the, on a park bench outside the side of a building. But oh, we'll pause it there. Range. Yeah, we'll pause it there on. and yeah, find I out what sure. happened no, next. No, I want to know more anyway. So this uh, is Life First with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Josh. We're going to come back and find out how Josh proposed to Nikki. Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. Welcome back to Life First with Matt and Sarah. Today we're chatting with Josh and I realise that we actually have a photo of something that you did straight after you met Nikki, who's now your wife, before you proposed to her and it's that you went to Nepal. So you've just met this beautiful woman (laughs) and now you've just gone off to Nepal. I met Nikki and then about two and a half weeks later I decided to go away for two and a half months to okay. Nepal. So did a bit of, did some hiking. I did three particular hikes um, around different parts of Nepal mm-hmm. uh, with some other people. And um, the hikes went for about three or four days, sometimes maybe five days, I reckon. And um, and then I had one which lasted 12 or 13 days. Um, myself and a mate, Jono, um, we end up doing Everest Base Camp and stuff together and hiked up there and yeah, that was a big experience. And we mm. went in the middle of winter, so there wasn't many people going for hiking around that particular time of the year. And it's quite cold that particular time of the year as well. But um, in winter, it doesn't snow. In the summertime, it snows. Um, yeah, so that's a different experience. Why well. does it not snow in wintertime? Because um, the rain comes in the summertime. Um and so that turns into snow at Everest Base Camp. But in wintertime, it's quite cold, but it doesn't have the snow. So hmm. it's a bit of the opposite yeah. to what we think it would be. So it was actually, the paths to Everest Base Camp were quite clear. We had a little bit of snow, but um, it was just a sprinkle. And it was quite nice. Yeah. I love the picture. Uh, our, our, not all our listeners will be able to see it, but uh, it's not a picture of you hanging off of Everest, but uh, no. it's of uh, some locals. Yeah. So we met some locals along the way. Yeah, it was great meeting uh, other local kids and families as well. The kids had an interesting time looking at how a camera works and having the photograph taken for the first time. And, uh, yeah, I also met some... Uh, there's some Nepalese people and there's uh, some Tibetans, Tibetan people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we headed to a different direction on one of our particular trips, me and Jono did. And um, it was a pretty big trip. One of our people that we were hiking with ended up getting uh, food poisoning. So he ended up staying behind with the family while me and Jono kept on going and uh, got there. And then we stayed there for one night in the middle between places, between villages. Mm-hmm. And um, we camped out with half a thermorest each and we had a sleeping bag each and we shared the um, the thermorest head to head. So, um, yeah, we did that at night time and we thought it was safer than trying to go back in the middle of the night. So, yeah. So you just hiked around and at night time you just camped in the snow in a tent? We just camped in between towns and we, there was no tent. There was just a sleeping bag okay. and a thermorest. A thermorest is a pumped-up air mattress, 
um, that you sleep on, so it makes it a little bit more comfortable to sleep on than just sleeping on rock or mud. So, yeah. yeah. There okay. you go. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, with the locals, you they were interested in the camera. Photography has yeah. been a big part of your life, a big love of yours as well. Yeah. Um, I think photography first started when I went, met my uh, wife-to-be, Nikki. Mm. Uh, we ended up going and taking photos, at, uh, doing landscapes. And um, Nikki was studying photography at the time, and I'd just finished studying graphic design, graphic design, and I was helping her a little bit with her graphic design subjects in a photography course. Mm -hmm. And so we enjoyed going out for day trips and going out for sunrises and sunsets and uh, taking landscapes together and use as a bonding time as well. And, um, yeah, there was a particular time when we, I came back from Nepal, like uh, I gave Nikki at the airport when I was leaving some notepads and paper and some envelopes as a bit of a hint to try and write to me while I was away. And... That's so romantic. <laughs> I was going to ask if you did anything like that while you were away, considering like you just met her and stuff. Yeah, um, we ended up sending emails as well, but on dial-up internet um, in Nepal, it took forever. And so I was off it, off, often using the computer for like half an hour, an hour, just to try and get one email mm. that came through mm. as well. And we kept in contact. And I did a bit of a surprise for Nikki when coming back from Nepal. Um, because of local unrest that was in Nepal at the time, with the Maoists trying to take over the king that was there, mm -hmm. um, we got one of the last flights out back um, to Australia, me and Jono, who I was with, and I ended up surprising Nikki by, and my parents as well, I ended up arriving back into the airport with no one to welcome me, and I, um, I took all my luggage, which was 35 kilos of luggage, and I walked from the airport, Adelaide Airport, back to the middle of the city to get there to be uh, in time for my friend's wedding. <laughs> and I, so I got there to the wedding in time and um, friends gave me a lift back halfway back to uh, Happy Valley and I dropped off half my uh, luggage with them and then I left uh, and walked through the rest of the day from about... 1.30, 2 o'clock, and I got home at about 10, 10.30 to surprise my parents at the door. I knocked on the door and surprised them, and um, they were quite surprised. And Dad's like, who's this at the door at like 10, 10.30 at night? And <laughs> I walked pretty much from Happy Valley to McLaren Flat to um, just on my own. It's a I was long used to way. hiking. Ha I was about to say, I'm like, you're used to hiking, so that doesn't really surprised me that you would do something like that yeah so it was but, about a 15 20k walk yeah, whereas when i was hiking in nepal we're probably doing about 35 sometimes 40ks oh, small stuff then yeah yeah, yeah. Up, <laughs> up and down um at an altitude of one and a half kilometers in height as well okay. when we're in nepal so you go up the hill and down to the valley and up to the next hill and cross a few bridges and yeah, the bridges were quite scary. Sometimes you, there's like a missing piece in the bridge. And, in the pool. And wow. in the pool, the mm. bridge would sway left and right up to like six feet other side over like a massive river. So, but yeah, when when I arrived um, back in Adelaide, 
Uh, I was so surprised, Nikki. You got her. I got her, one of her best friends, to um, take her out for dinner, and then I surprised by rocking up for dinner. And yeah, I had uh, some uh, friends of mine play uh, violin and some musical instruments and stuff outside the restaurant that she's going to be at. Mm. And then I rocked up and surprised her and said, "Here I am." And she didn't really expect to see me. She just thought she was having a, um, a romantic. Gave her, she thought she's having a time with a friend. friend. Yeah, Yeah, not a romantic dinner. I think I did it on Valentine's Day as well, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah. Instead of expecting to have a message from me via, like, she had a a card from me, like a letter as well as me rocking up at the same time. And then, yeah, her friend passed her over to me and we had a nice romantic dinner together. So, amazing. But, yeah, at that stage, we're just still friends, and I probably thought it was a bit more like a bit more romantic than probably what I was <laughs> yeah. expecting. <laughs> like the ones like right. music outside the restaurant. Yeah, taking it up a level, yeah. You really wow. had. You must have really liked this girl. Yeah, I did. And um, <laughs> one of the things that Nikki was a bit bummed out about is the fact that she had made about a six metre long <gasps> banner that says, Welcome home, Josh. And so she's like, what am I going to do now? So she organized with my mom, I think, or my parents um, to come and visit me first thing in the morning uh, a day or two later. And I woke up and I had a gourmet breakfast with, like, fruit and I think pancakes. And she really treated me to that. And she had the banner outside the front of the um, the house. And I was quite taken back by the long banner that she had made for me. And I didn't really expect to see it. And so she's like... I had to get you back for what you did to me with surprising me. So, yeah, she'd already written, I think she'd already organized the banner before I even got back. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. What a, what a true romance story. Absence makes the, the heart grow fonder. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Wow. We're looking forward to hearing some more. You've uh, certainly survived many things so far in your story. And uh, there's yeah. more of Josh's story to come. This is Life Bursts with Sarah and Matt. In Australia, Juvenile arthritis affects 1 in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut Community Service Announcement. Welcome back to Life First with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Josh. Now, at the beginning of the program, I did say there was something on the table, and if you're listening, you still have no idea what it is. Until now, they are rollerblades on the table because we're talking about in the beginning of your life that you're doing some crazy things, Josh, jumping over chairs and stuff, rollerblades. (laughs) But moved on from that. If you miss that, just catch up with the show. Uh, You've moved into ice skating now. Skating, skiing, skiing, skiing. yeah, from the rollerblades. Did did you ever try ice skating? I did try ice skating and I enjoyed it as a kid. Uh, My best friend at the time, uh, he got me into ice skating and so I really enjoyed it. And then um, from there, yeah, like I said, I got my first pair of rollerblades at 13. And and then Nikki, uh, my wife, introduced me to skiing. So in this two, is no skiing, is it? Yeah, snow skiing. Mm. So um, that journey started in 2008. Um, Nikki applied for 
a few jobs um, to take photos in the snow and it's something she wanted to do um, in, a, in her childhood. And so the opportunity came up in 2008 for her to take photos and um, I was doing house cleaning at the same time that season and there was someone that was taking photos that left after a week or two and I just jumped in, picked up a camera and started taking photos and really enjoyed it as well. And mm. yeah, we went from then taking landscape photos to doing action sport photos of kids doing jumps. And mm-hmm. the idea is to yell to the people in the chairlift, come on down and get your, get your jump photo taken. And they'd come on down, do the jump, get their photo taken and we'd get a photo of them in the air and having fun and they'd come past the shop and have a look and then buy it. So, um, yeah, we enjoyed taking photos in 2008 and then we did the same in 2009 and both did, uh, yeah, snow photos, uh, action photos, mm-hmm. portraits as well, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we got some more candid and portrait photos mm-hmm. uh, when we were living in Daydream Island for a little period of time as well. Okay. And um, another experience to have under yeah. the belt and... We had a good time travelling around and visiting all the sites around Daydream Island and Hamilton Island. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up moving to uh, Whistler and living in Whistler uh, for 2010, 2011. Now tell us where Whistler is. Yeah, where's Whistler? Uh, so Whistler is about an hour or two from Vancouver, mm. which is in Canada, in British Columbia. And um, the particular time that we were living in um, Whistler, we were taking photos as well, um, doing more portraits and organised photos of people. Mm-hmm. And um, while we were there, we also were able to have a great opportunity to uh, take take photos um, of the Winter Olympics as well. We got paid Fantastic. to do that a little wow. bit by the company that we were working for at the time. And we got to go to the medal ceremonies and see, see the ski jumping events and the cross-country skiing and uh, the bobsledding as well. So, um, yeah, it was a great experience to have. And we also got to see the giant slalom on the mountain as well. What's that? Giant slalom is uh, skiing really wide turns down the slopes. And the uh, other one that you, other skiing one is the slalom, which is tighter turns down the mountain. So um, we got to see the men's um, giant slalom, I think it was. Uh, Whistler and yeah it was a great opportunity to mm. see it and also too it was a great opportunity to ski because everyone was visiting the mountain to watch the events the mountain was quite uh, empty as well mm. and so we got to have a lot of great skiing time with good quality snow coverage and yeah it was a great time Brilliant. Uh, so what's a good day to go skiing like what what sort of snow do you need what does that look like what does the ground need to look like what does the air need to look like talk us through a really good day a uh, great day of skiing is having a dump of snow the night before mm-hmm. and skiing uh snowing during the night and then skiing on a, a great bluebird day the very next day um yeah so that you can see where you're going and so that means no clouds just no clouds sunshine just sunshine beautiful yeah, and the good thing about being at Whistler is because the mountain's so large, um, at any particular time, one third of the mountain generally is without fog. Um, at least you can have the uh, you can have it snowing above you, and then you could be in a part where um, 
it's nice and white down below you or mm -hmm. you can have it where you're actually skiing above when it's snowing which is called an inversion which means the clouds are pushed down and you can ski above the clouds mm -hmm. and down the bottom it's snowing but at the top you can be above the clouds and enjoy a nice sunny day yeah did you do that we try to do it as much as possible yes okay <laughs> it's not as fun skiing the fog but um yeah it's okay. No, but skiing above the clouds. Above the clouds yeah. is amazing, yes. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Wow. So the adventures continue. Yes. And so you moved, so you had that adventure, mm -hmm. and then you came back to Australia. What happened after Whistler? Uh, we felt a bit of a call to move to Bright Victoria, oh, yes. uh, which is at the bottom of um, at Hotham in Falls Creek. Mm -hmm. It's only about an hour and a half to two hours away in the wintertime and about an hour in the summertime. And so we lived uh, there, hoping to be there as much as possible. And we had our, our first daughter in, while we were living in Bright, uh, Isabel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that was a good experience. And then uh, we ended up moving uh, back to Adelaide. And um, we ended up having more quality time with family. And uh, Grandma was there. And, uh, yeah, so brother and sister-in-law. So before you went to Canada, where, where were you living together? Uh, we're living in uh, Aberfoyle Park. Okay. So you um, didn't go back to Aberfoyle, but you went we, to Bright. We came back to Aberfoyle for about a month or two okay. while we sussed out to see if we wanted to move to Bright, mm -hmm. uh, and we mm -hmm. did that move. And, um, yeah, and then we moved back. So what I'm feeling is that, like, you packed up your life. We did. Okay. How does how, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> what um, what do you keep? What do you get rid of? Talk us through the process. We got rid of a lot of things. Uh, we when we were when we were over in uh, Whistler, Canada, mm -hmm. uh, we put our stuff into a shipping container, okay. and then when we got back, we pretty much got rid of probably half to two thirds of that and kept the the essentials and mm -hmm. yeah, found out that there's a lot of stuff we didn't need. Right. Get the camera and the rollerblades. <laughs> get the camera, <laughs> the rollerblades. We had skis, skis. skis as well, and we kept the couch and then uh, and the stuff and the banner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But a big, big deal to to have to, to make a move. sell it all and get and make a move. Yeah, mm. that was a lot of stuff that you must have to get rid of. There's a lot of stuff to get rid of. Yeah. What were the main things that you packed into the container mm. first, and then? When you came back from Canada, that you were like, "Why did I even keep this?" Like clothes, <laughs> horse, uh, <laughs> chairs, some tables. I think mm -hmm. um, maybe an old washing machine we kept, but I think we still use that. But uh, I can't remember what we kept it was so long ago now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. coming and having having children did that <laughs> that sort of change the the game plan for. For life, you, you had some more family time um, when yeah. you came back to Adelaide. So we had Isabel and Bright, and then when we came back to Adelaide, we had uh, Haley, and then Isaac as well. And uh, Isaac is our youngest, and he's our son. And, um, yeah, it's good family time to come back, and it was good living close by the uh, Keith Stevenson Park and able to walk there from home and able to walk there to the school and... Yeah, it was just great to be around. And we're kind of 45 minutes from uh, grandma, 45 minutes from brother and sister-in-law. And, yeah, it's kind of a triangle. We're kind of 
around the area, but not too close, not too far. Mm. It was good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What's like the biggest thing that had to change in your life when you had a child? Um, probably working out how to spend time with the kids and also working in with work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we did that fairly well, though. I'm quite happy with what we've been doing mm. in that regard. Mm. And kind of, uh, we had to remove our office from the office and put it into our room. And one of our oldest daughter, Isabel, ended up going into that room and taking it as her own. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, moving moving people around from one room to another. Yeah. Good chance, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is Life First. We're chatting to Josh, and uh, we'll hear more of his story and some wisdom he has to share right after this. If you think more people should listen to this, share this podcast on social media. Welcome back to Life Burst with Sarah and Matt. We're chatting to Josh. Lots of adventures along the way. But Josh, uh, having children, having the family, does that mean you there was no more snow, no more adventures? You'd think so, wouldn't you? But yeah. um, we definitely felt like we were called to go back. Um, in 2018. So in 2018, um, my eldest daughter, Isabel, was five. Mm. Uh, Haley was three. And Isaac was probably about one and a half. And so um, we ended up going back for the season in 2018, the winter. And uh, our daughter's, eldest daughter, Isabel, uh, she went to Denham Plain School, which is in the snow line of the mountain. And so in in her lunch breaks and uh breaks at school she was able to toboggan and mm. spend time in the snow and on friday she was able to get private lessons from her principal of the school mm-hmm. and so it was very skiing was very much a part of the schooling there and mm-hmm. part of the experience and Haley really enjoyed um skiing as well and she skied till till she pretty much fell asleep on the chairlift um Cute. at which point i had to wake her up uh very calmly and say we need to get off the chairlift now sweetie and, uh, yeah, she skied pretty much till she fell asleep. So she was a little snow bunny, and uh, Isaac was just getting used to the snow. He wasn't much of a fan, but uh, he's definitely a fan now that we've been going back. Like, we went back uh, this year, and we went back last year as well, and just for family holidays and with family friends, and it's been a part of their experience growing up, and they always want to go back. And so, yeah, we always look forward to it. What didn't Isaac like about the snow? Uh, I think he didn't like getting cold. Okay. Um, That's understandable. Yeah, he was very young, though, and we had the pram at that particular point in time, and we put the front wheels on the toboggan, and we pushed the pram around on the snow, and uh, if you're trying to get a pram through the snow, you can do it on a toboggan, but uh, trying to push it on wheels is very hard. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience. I was going to ask how you pushed a pram around (laughs) in the snow. Yes. To get him to sleep, we pushed him up and down the roads occasionally as well and met some people on the mountain and had a few great chats with people and, yeah, had a lady that we invited back home for our dinner and got to meet the family and, yeah, it was a great opportunity to catch up with people. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, Josh, for all of the the challenges that you've been through, all of the adventures, the mountains you've climbed, uh, one of your biggest challenges you've faced only in the last couple of years is something quite unexpected happy to share a little around that yeah sure so in 2019 
um, I came across a mental health uh, issue and so that was quite a, a setback for me and the, both the family. There's a bit of a hindrance for both, but um, we definitely see God's hand through it. And even when I was um, down um, down with uh, just some of the thoughts that I was having, um, yeah, through a period of relapse, I was able to come across a new medication that I'm now on and it's brought me back to normal and I can be myself once again and I don't feel like I'm drugged up or don't feel like I'm um, struggling with the medication as much and mm-hmm. I'm able to be awake more throughout the day and definitely got a more better quality to life and I'm able to enjoy each day now and uh, been able to help at the cafe, one of the cafes I volunteer at as well yeah. and now work at. So, yeah, I've gone through a few things and I've, I've got some people to support and be by my side and help me go for walks and I can talk things out with people and mm-hmm. uh, get my thoughts out in the open and be really encouraged by what they say. So, yeah, I've definitely had a supporting hand from family, my wife uh, and kids as well and friends family friends so it's been encouraging yeah that's what helped you get through it yeah definitely and god's helped through it too like i don't think i've understood what it is more to have god's grace now than i've ever had before and i've learned a lot of new lessons uh and skills life lessons along the way um yeah being blessed with god's grace and uh yeah he's helped me get through it all which has been great what would you say to people who um, might at the moment be wrestling with uh, everyone's journey is unique, but their own mental health challenges and uh, and struggles? What would you say? Um, God's there to get you through it. Um, and his words there to be encouraging and to be a light in your life. And uh, he can get you through the hard and difficult and dark times in your life. And he's there and he's, he hasn't left you. He's just there beside you and, he helps you along the way in the journey. Um, yeah, if you hear like a, a negative kind of thought, you know it's not from God. And if you just listen to the positive thoughts, then you know that God's with you and, yeah, he'll get you through it. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for sharing. Mm. No worries. Thank you because, I, yes, I know it can be a when you're in it, uh, mm. not not an easy journey to walk. And, yeah. And uh, love that you uh, – been able to come through it to an extent and then yeah. you're uh, able to look at the positives and you had all of that around that, you, that you've described but yeah but not an easy road when you're in it that's correct and a long one at yes times. yeah so it's been about three years of a journey uh to get better and i feel a lot better now than where i was like three years ago and mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. seem to constantly get better from here on out which has been great and yeah pray for no more relapses and that we just continue to get through it each day and something that i'd encourage people listening is that um he's got you every step of the way and um yeah and just the fact of living life to the fullest and enjoying it as much as possible with everything that you do like i would have never realized i've gone from skating to skiing and being a skiing family that now loves it and being there not only with my wife but also having my kids being a part of it as well and just yeah, enjoy the moments and stuff with the family as you can. And, yeah, we've tried to make that a priority as much as possible to put family first and put each other first as well. And, 
yeah mm. god's always there to be with us as well so and are you hopeful that skiing will be a part of your future in some form yes i definitely am mm. yeah. <laughs> look at that smile <laughs> fantastic that's, yeah that's excellent now with the final two minutes left of our show if you had yep. one piece of advice josh you've already shared so much but <laughs> if you had one piece of advice to share with those watching and listening today yeah what would that be uh just living life to the fullest and enjoying it uh being there with friends and family and uh not forgetting those moments but making every moment count and making sure god's a part of it as well and yeah that's what i recommend excellent well i don't think there's any part of your story that contradicts that um it's definitely is to, i've learned some things <laughs> the, the adventures you've had yeah. the challenges you've you've certainly lived it every moment cool Thanks and for thank me. you. Thanks for being so open to sharing about what's been happening recently in your life as well, and sure. um, to share about what it was like growing up too. And so yeah. people can really see that you've come from here, but now you're here, and mm -hmm. you've done all this awesome stuff. And I'm sure there'll be people out there that will connect with your story as well. So yeah. thank you, Josh. Thank you very much. This has been Life First. You can catch up with us wherever you get your podcasts from. You can uh, online, on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and of course on community television and community radio. I'm Sarah. I'm Matt. We love hearing your stories and we hope that you do too. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Raw Cut production.